Welcome, everybody. We are super excited that you're here. This is episode one of season two. It feels like forever, Patrick, that we've have podcasted. Feels like isn't that a song from Frozen? Forever. Feels like I don't know. Feels like something. My kid's really been into the Frozen two soundtrack lately. Like what, what's that song? Into the Unknown. Yeah, but you know, I could probably sing every Frozen one song, but not Frozen two. Uh, no, my. A kid actually knows Frozen Two a lot better. Yeah, you know, your kids and, older, very younger. It, than mine. When you know, and I, I have uh, Amazon Music, and I know you recently switched, but I go to my song history because I like playing like different songs, and it's all like Frozen Two songs right now. So I'm always clicking I have, the next. I have like, uh, yeah, the same thing. I have like Trolls, Frozen, <laughs> and then I have like Little Wayne, like uh, <laughs> sprinkled in there in my song yeah, history. Yeah, you're like, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna rock out to, and rap out to this song, and then you're like, oh wait, my kid's in the back seat. Next, explicit. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I can't listen to that one right now. Moving on. Jeez. So uh, yeah. anyway, back to uh, episode one. So we got some uh, new things for you for season two. We already talked about our cred, our cred, right, uh, Frank? Yeah, our cred. We uh, we we kind of were thinking about that for season one, um, but we we wanted to write something down. So you know, if you write something down, it means more, right? Instead of us just talking about it, we because we're like, what what do we do? What what are we trying to do on each episode? And uh, and we started come up. We, we said we got a street cred, street our cred. podcast cred. Yeah. Uh, it's actually is it initialism or acronym it is Is an acronym acronym yes it is communicate relate educate and delineate i got that right i got that wrong no Mm -mm. i did it you said you said educate then uh oh yeah you did get it right you're right i have have it communicate educate and delineate and yeah, delineate, yeah, yeah, yeah. delineate was a kind of the word we had to look up the vocab, but no, it's just, you know, portraying and describing the situations that we deal with and communicate. We're trying to reach out to, you know, everybody, not just LEOs, but more so the public to, about what we do and why we do it. Well, right? we think that, yeah. And we think that this is probably the biggest reason why there is a uh, a rift between the public and oh. law enforcement education between between the communication and education is our our biggest reasons why we're doing this podcast yep but you know yep. i want to tell you my my counterpart in the in the bureau he actually used delineate in a sentence the other day nice yeah i thought i thought that too i was thinking because i had to look it up he's just using it in everyday vocab yeah nice so t- today's episode is called Reflections and uh, Past Moving Forward. And we're going to try to go with certain topics. We, we want to do, we have some interviews lined up for season two. We have some uh, after action audits where we basically take either a video or information that's becoming public in the law enforcement field. And we're going to kind of analyze that. And this is just one of our topics where we just want to like roll into season two because if you haven't been watching the news lately the past couple weeks have been pretty eye-opening as far as police community relations and all the news that's been going on i know we talked about you know the end of the end of season one was like the george floyd incident and we kind of stopped right did we hit rayshard brooks no it was um Actually, it was happening around the time that we did Desperate Housewives. Yes, yes. So, and we commented thing that you know, if if we were not taking a break, that yep. we would jump into Rashad Brooks. Yeah. So that's going to be we're going to discuss a little bit about that. That's not really the main topic of today, but just kind of give a little information on that, and then just kind of the other stuff that's going forward, such as all these police protests, the riots, the violence that's increased, and 
We hope it doesn't continue to in, we hope it doesn't continue to increase, but it doesn't look good, especially with some of these city council members and defund defunding and getting rid of the police departments. But so that's kind of our discussion for today. It's just me and me and me and Frank, but episode two is a little different, right, Frank? Yeah, stay tuned. We have a great guest for episode two. This is how yeah. this is how all season two is gonna be. Like we're gonna be excited about every episode. Yeah, it's we're and then new. especially with Patrick being in charge of coming up with the episode titles now. <laughs> he's touch, he's he's getting in touch with his what the left side of your brain? Yeah, yes. The left side. The le- uh no. Left side I thought was analytical. Oh, then yeah, you're getting in touch with the right side of your Hold brain. Hold on. I'm lo- I'm looking this up right now. Real time, I'm, take a break. Yeah, yeah. Real time research. Left side brain. I think left side is analytical and right side is more art. Uh, yeah, the left side of the brain is responsible for controlling the right side. It also report, performs the tasks that have to do with logic, such as science and math. Yeah, the right side, I think, is more artsy. So, yeah, you, you get to come up with some of our titles. This, which is, this which is usually not me. I'm not usually a right right side brain artsy kind of guy. But, yeah, the left side. The left side is important for logic, analytics, and controlling the right side of your body. For those that didn't know that, but so anyway, t- today's episode uh, on reflections, we wanted to get into the police word of the day because it talks about a little bit of the Rayshard Brooks incident and what we observed, what we know, and then kind of the issues that have been going forward since since that. So today's word of the day, which I don't think we've touched yet, and it's pretty applicable to law enforcement in a variety of ways. It's called bodily injury. Okay. That's, that's a term that they use a lot in uh, statutes for crimes in the news. When it gets applied to incidents involving force, they talk about bodily injury and bodily injury is defined as any damage to a person's physical condition, including pain or illness. And it's also called bodily harm. Okay. So, for instance, usually that's we talk about either simple assault, battery, stuff like that. Bodily injury is not just, oh, I got a little prick on my finger. Okay, that's not necessarily bodily injury. Bodily injury could be a decent, it could be a bruise. It could be, it doesn't actually have to be visible. It can be somebody complaining of pain. But then we get into but it's less than what we call serious bodily injury, which would be like, you know, obviously if the one we we deal with, unfortunately, a lot is shootings. So like when you get shot, that's going to be usually serious bodily injury because there's going to be a lot of damage. Uh, you get, you know, a, a permanent disfigurement. So you can get like a finger cut off or you lose sight from an injury. That's what we call serious bodily injury. Bodily injury is just, you know, pain, swelling, maybe, what do you think? A concussion might be, might be bodily injury, but if it's serious enough, you could probably articulate it's serious bodily injury. Right. Uh, so I already have up one uh, definition of serious bodily injury, and, and that is substantial risk of death, unconsciousness, extreme physical pain, uh, disfigurement, and protracted right. loss or impairment of the function of a body, bodily member, organ, or mental and, faculty. And, and the reason these terms are important, bodily injury and serious bodily injury, is because they actually will de- define what the grading is for certain crimes. So, for instance, there could be there's actually a big definition in, in, in our statute between for what we call aggravated assault. So if you have, I'll give you an example. If you have aggravated assault with a knife, like somebody stabs you, and you're stabbed like in the arm and all you need is like two stitches. Okay. There's actually a section in, in our, you know, crimes code about how that's not the highest grade felony because we call it bodily injury with a deadly weapon. Now, if we take that scenario and we take a, a, a knife and, you know, you know, just theoretically somebody stabs you and you get stabbed and like it pierces your liver or something like that. Well, that's what we call serious bodily injury because if you have a major internal organ that's hit, that's going to be serious bodily injury because you could potentially die from that. 
So that's kind of the, the try to differentiate between the two. And what that does is it actually uh, ups the grading on the offense and makes it a more serious charge. Yeah, and w- some of this sounds like we're um, split splitting hairs, but really it comes down to it's probably going to be a lot of legalese talk. Yep. Now, obviously, if I go up to Patrick and we're in a verbal argument and I shove him, we're not going to get in. There's no bodily injury there at all. But if, like I, like I said, like he said, if you know we're arguing about whether uh, college football is going to happen this fall, and I stab him, then it's going to be uh, argued in the courtroom whether I intended to cause him bodily harm or uh, serious bodily harm. So it's really probably a legalese thing. But as far as like the the, the members of the community go, it's more of le- it's more of you knowing that that person that you know you're that did this to you is yeah. going to be looking at less or more crime. Two responses to that. Crime. Two responses to that. First, college football is going to happen. I'm confident in that. Okay. Number two, let's take that scenario and you push me. Okay. And you, your intent is to push me and just get me away from you. Well, I trip and I fall back and, you know, I cut the back of my head open. Okay. Now we might have bodily injury depending on if I lose consciousness or not or something like that. You could maybe articulate serious bodily injury based on the injuries, but usually that might just be bodily injury. And then we'll get into, you know, we can get into another discussion of intent versus recklessness and all that kind of stuff. But in that scenario, you push me and while you may or may not have intended to harm me, I fall back and I suffer some type of injury, whether or not I need like a stitch in the back of my head, that would be what we call bodily injury. Even if your intent was not to hurt me, it was just to push me back. And you could still get charged with that. So, and that's what we call negligence. That's more like reckless negligence, something like that. Mm-hmm. You see it a lot in like bar fights. Like, yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. mean for him to fall back and crack his head because he was drunk. I just meant to punch him in the face. Well, that doesn't matter. It's too bad. Yeah. Too bad. So sad. And so drink at home. <laughs> well, I think everybody's been doing a lot of that lately. So that's what we call bodily injury. Again, any damage to a person's physical condition, including pain or illness, also called bodily harm. And case study of the week. Okay. This wasn't an actual specific case I found, but I think it's important to kind of clarify when we get into the discussion of the Rayshard Brooks incident. What exactly is the Georgia law? Okay. For uh, basically police. Okay, and I I, I searched this and found it and I'm going to read it verbatim. Georgia law allows a person to use deadly force, and I quote, only if he or she reasonably believes that such force is necessary to prevent death or great bodily injury to himself or herself or a third person. Okay, the Atlanta police manual says that an officer can use deadly force when, quote, he or she reasonably believes that the suspect possessed a deadly weapon or any object device or instrument, which when used offensively against a person is likely to, or actually does result in serious bodily injury. And when he or she reasonably believes that the suspect poses an immediate threat of serious bodily injury to the officer or others. And we're going to break that down when we give a little synopsis of the, our take on the video. But so George Law, I don't know what exactly the definition of great bodily injury is. I don't know if that's the same. They're trying to mimic serious bodily injury, but it says right in the the Atlanta Police Manual about what serious, they mentioned serious bodily injury. Okay. And don't don't mistake the fact that you can still be charged with an attempt to cause serious bodily injury. And that kind of, it's hard to kind of understand that without, you know, being in this profession. But for instance, the easy example is you go and you shoot at somebody and you miss. Well, just because you miss doesn't mean that you can't be charged for it. You shot at somebody and you can easily make the argument that you attempted to cause serious bodily injury to that person had they got, you know, struck with that bullet. But your attempt to do that is still the same offense as actually doing it because you tried to commit serious bodily injury okay and based on this definition uh, of the georgia law and the atlanta police manual 
we're going to kind of get into the situation, the uh, incident involving Rayshard Brooks. So anything else on that, Frank, before we get into it? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at what Patrick is saying with the Atlanta police manual. And I know that this is some of the issues that, you know, the community maybe has with the, I guess, with even with like some people who are really pro to have police officers charged in some of these incidents. Um, and they get angry because the officers are found not guilty. Well, if you read the law, which the police officers don't make the law, you know, your, uh, your lawmakers do your, your, uh, whatever state, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your your legislature, the people who you elect, uh, in your state to, to, to come up with the law. So we don't, we don't write it. Uh, we, we have to abide by it just the same as anybody else. But, uh, I see these, um, these words that are so so subjective or arguable, you know, when you say he or she reasonably believes, well, guess what? Reasonably is going to have to be argued by the prosecution and the defense, um, possesses a deadly weapon. Well, I know we're going to get into it, but I might as well get into it now. The, who was it? The DA of Atlanta, like two weeks before Rayshard Brooks, uh, was mad at the officers for using their taser on that, that car full of people. Yep, yep. And he called that taser a deadly weapon. But then with Rayshard Brooks, he did not call it a deadly weapon. So even something as simple as a deadly weapon, you think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, he's, what, he's, you know? he, well, he certainly contradicted himself. When- well, what I'm saying is just that even something like that is going to be argued and it's going to, it's not so simple. And then we go into further uh, into the more of this and is likely or actually does call, well, is it likely that's going to be argued? Um, I mean, it's just so much, so much arguable language in this. And that's why lawyers get paid for a lot of what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, most of you listening and I'll probably say almost all of you know a little bit about the Rayshard Brooks incident. But I mean, I'll just break this down into the basic facts. So, you know, officers were dispatched to the Wendy's for, I believe, Rayshard Brooks was passed out. Was it? I don't know if he was in the drive-thru. Was he in the drive-thru? Yeah, he was in the drive-thru. Yeah, he was passed out. Okay. And usually for anybody with law enforcement experience, when you hear that, the first thing you, you think is what, Frank? DUI. Yeah, DUI. Okay. DWI. Yeah. Whatever. DWI, DUI, whatever. So... Uh, officer Bra, I think Brosnan was actually the first responding officer, I believe, and Officer Garrett Rolf was the second. Okay, and and initially they encountered uh, Rayshard Brooks, and if you actually watch the video, it's pretty like cordial, like between the interaction, and you know they were running through their DUI investigation. At some point, a breathalyzer w- was given, and he, I think, blew above a point one. Okay, so he's above the legal limit. All right. And for those of you who don't understand DUI law, just because the vehicle is not on the roadway, not traveling, doesn't mean it isn't a DWI or DUI. We call that, oh, this is probably good. We, we, can, we, can, we call that actual physical control, okay? You're in actual physical control of the movement of vehicle. So that means if you're in a parking lot, the vehicle is running, you're behind the wheel, and you're drunk, that's a DUI, Okay. Right, and it doesn't have to be a roadway that right. you're getting into. Also, yes, yeah, it, it could be a, a parking lot open to the the roadway. Okay, and the reason being is because the legislature, again, the legislature creates the laws and the wording on the statutes understands that hey, this person, all he has to do is drive away, and he could be a danger to the public because he's drunk and the car's running and he or she is in the driver's seat. All right, so they continue with the investigation that point they make you know at some point they go to arrest him and the fight is on and it's i'm readily apparent that you know mr brooks is strongly resisting arrest i mean straight up at one point didn't he i think he straight up punched the one the one cop well the other one he he kind of uh twisted and it just threw the one officer yeah like completely over yeah it's pretty evident that it immediately rayshard brooks could have been arrested for resisting arrest and probably ag- aggravated assault on a police officer for uh, uh, punching them, assaulting them. And during the video, you can see that he ends up grabbing the one officer's taser. Okay. And is able to free 
runs away, but then turns around, and I believe he actually fired the taser or attempted to, to fire it. Which, attempted to fire. Yeah, yeah. And then Officer Rolf uh, drew his you know, firearm, and, and that's when he killed uh, Rayshard Brooks. Okay, so those are the facts that we know. And the video, body cam, and uh, there was... Was it another store video or some surveillance video or somewhere else? You can see the the, the incident because you can look at it like overhead looking down. Um, and that was you know, the video is pretty clear on that. I mean, it's very clear on Rayshard resisting arrest. So the argument then becomes, and this is the whole discrepancy, which is you know, everybody knows that then there are the, the riots and the protests. They ended up burning the Wendy's down. Okay. Which I think they arrested, they arrested his, his girlfriend. girlfriend for burning the Wendy's down and she was charged with arson and related offenses, which I don't know what Wendy's had to do with any of this, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I'll tell you nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) Wendy's, you know, why seriously, what, what was the point of that? You know, I we're, and we we're all supportive of, you know, your first amendment rights, but, burning down the what i mean wendy's had zero to do with this incident zero hey man target didn't have anything to do with uh george floyd either that's right that's right i i love tarjay but so we have this incident and it's important to understand a couple of things okay and we we really try to harp on this what's the best way to describe it the legal term of what force is used for. Okay. It must be two words, reasonable and necessary. Okay. So when we, when you have somebody or the DA's office reviewing this incident, they have to make the determination was officer Garrett, I think Rolf, uh, was his force deadly force reasonable and necessary. Okay. So it has to be deadly force. So he's obviously using the highest level of force, okay? Because he killed, you know, killed somebody. Was that reasonable, and necessary given the circumstances? And that's what the DA's office was supposed to figure out. Now, the GBI came in, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and people have to understand when they do these investigations. They take a, t- a lot of time. I mean, if anybody remembers the Michael Brown incident, Ferguson, I mean, that took months. You know, they, they got all these witness statements, DNA evidence, all this stuff. But Atlanta, the DA, was it Fulton County? I think it was Fulton County. I don't County. know. Uh, anyway, the DA came in and charged him within like two weeks with murder. Charged Aristotle Garrett Rolf with murder. So my first take on this is, I don't know how you come to that conclusion so quickly when it's not one of those situations that's clearly egregious or the circumstances dictate. I mean, the, the George Floyd incident was one thing. I mean, we're all cops. We know that what Derek Chauvin did was wrong. You can clearly see that, you know, there's no question about that. We're not arguing that, but in this situation, there's a lot going on within this incident that is very hard for me to understand why they came with that conclusion of charging Rolf with murder so quickly without really doing a thorough investigation. Cause the GBI even came out and said like, look, we're not even done. We're not done with our investigation. Yet. And this, this DA went and charged him. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, obviously I think the the answer, whether people want to hear it or not, is just because of political pressure. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, it, this one is a lot different than some of the other ones that we've seen. Uh, I mean, for the most part, the whole thing's on video, so that yep. is that helps us out. But the other thing that makes it interesting is, um, you know, they they fired the taser once. This mm-hmm. officer's already had. Now you know as well as I do is that depending on the type of taser that they have, they may have a taser that is already preloaded with two cartridges where you can uh, you basically you have two shots that you can fire uh, semi-automatically. Like you can pull the trigger twice and have two, uh, two different cartridges fire, or you might have a taser that is a little bit older and can only fire one. And then you actually have to go through a reloading process. I don't know which type of taser that those officers were carrying, but 
you know that kind wait, of changes wait, frank are you saying you have inf- you have knowledge of tasers yes yes taser international actually it's axon that axon it does it but anyway the um you know that's that's something that we need, need we need to know about because what are you taught patrick in the taser courses about when you know about laying your taser down when you're trying to arrest somebody don't do it because it can be used against you and then if it's used against you what is the idea that it incapacitates you and makes you vulnerable to an attack okay so it incapacitates you and and then what do you have on you that makes this a deadly force incident a gun a gun, right? So this is this is what, and and I don't know if it's taught all around the country, but I think it's pretty widely understood, just based upon us interacting with other police around the country uh, on our social media accounts, is that uh, it is widely taught that your taser, if taken, can be used against you, and therefore, if somebody's willing to use a taser against you. Uh, they could, you know, take your gun while you're incapacitated and kill you. Now, that, and again, that's where it comes into the discussion of this incident of that's practicality versus theory and what they have to analyze within the situation. And that's, oh, yeah. the, and that's, that's where it gets muddy. It gets super muddy. And, and yeah. that's why it, it gets to the fact of, um, I mean, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a, a, a mess. Because the other thing is, is that, okay, well, if they had that older model taser that I told you about where you have to actually go through a reloading process, you know, would was would Mr. Brooks know how to do that? You know, and is there really much of a threat if he's 10 yards away from you with a taser with no cartridge in it with two officers there? Well, you brought you brought in another factor that, yeah. you know, makes it interesting. But but to answer my question, if you're 10 yards away from me and you already have an expended cartridge in the taser what risk what danger do you pose to me nothing you can basically do a spark a spark and and but on the officer's side when you're in a situation like that you're getting that tunnel vision and you're not remembering everything that just happened like five seconds ago okay you're just focused on the fact that he has a taser and I, i was talking with one of my colleagues because uh his his spouse was worse in the legal field and was saying, well, yeah, they, they couldn't have fired the taser because, you know, the cartridge was, was spent. And he's trying to explain to her, like, look, like this is a, you know, your adrenaline's pumping, you know, all, you got the tunnel vision, you, you know, we call that what do you call the auditory exclusion and all that kind yep. of stuff. Yeah. Tunnel vision. You're, you're only seeing like certain things within your focus. So it's like, you you know, your scope is just, just one one thing you're seeing like straight ahead straight ahead and you're focused on what this guy has just done and to you assaulted you just at arrest and he has a taser okay you're not thinking oh he already fired it so this cartridge is spent okay because you're just focused on that it's it, it is a not a it's i want i don't want to say logic goes out the window but you're only focused on certain things because of what that tunnel vision is because of your adrenaline's pumping and you got all everything going on. Okay. So yeah, what I, and I brought in the fact about the second officer. Okay. So again, and you may not even, you, you hope that he realizes the second officer there, but you may not even like be focused on that either during the situation. Yeah. But, and, and why, and the reason why you bring up the second officer in case people haven't, thought of it is that that whole argument that we just made where you know the person tases you then while you're incapacitated takes your gun and can use it on you well the idea is that if there's a second officer there there may not be that risk because if that were to happen that second officer would be able to step in in the midst of those events and stop it right, right. um and that's why you bring it up but you know, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, I don't like to take away anything from anybody who's in one of those um, life or death situations or a knockdown drag out fight situation because I don't want somebody. I'd want somebody to give me the the benefit the of the benefit doubt. of the doubt, right? Uh, because we're Monday morning quarterback. We're sitting here yeah. in our comfy and, living room and podcasting. We, we, yeah, and when we and we talk about this because the courts don't view everything in 
with 2020 hindsight, they have to look at the situation as it's happening in real time. And they have to put kind of, you know, judges have to put themselves in that situation. And they, what, what, what's that case we talked was a, is a Graham versus Connor? The, so like uh, the uh, deadly force. No. Uh, what's the one with the, the diabetes, the guy who's suffering diabetes. Yeah. That's Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that situation's the main one where they, they talk about the, the totality. Yeah. The totality where you look at the situation, not from 2020 hindsight, but as the situations unfolding and putting yourself in the situation. So they're trying, trying to think of putting themselves in Rolf's position, you know, is this force reasonable and necessary based on the circumstances? Okay. I, my main issue with that is you've had certain people say, why don't they just let him go? Okay, well, the reason they were there is for a guy passed out behind the wheel of a car in the drive-thru. Okay, we're thinking, just like they're thinking, as law enforcement officers, it's a DUI. Okay, so if you let him go, <laughs> well, there goes your your DUI case. The whole reason why you're 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 there. Can you can you try to get a warrant for him later on? Yeah. But it's a lot tougher of a case without him. Plus, you want to try to get the BAC, the blood results. And if he ain't there, how are you going to charge? You know, how are you going to get make an effective DUI arrest? Well, okay. So, and you're looking at it as the police officer, right? And you're right. like, hey, it's gonna it's gonna be detrimental to my case, you know. Um, and you know, after the fighting starts, do you really want somebody to be running around who's willing to fight with a police officer in your community? But, you know, and if I take the stance of this, this, the citizen who, you know, doesn't want the person to be arrested, well, then where do you stop? You know, if this kid, if this guy is DUI and tries to get away and you're saying, okay, fine, we'll just, we'll just let him go. Well, then at what, when is a good time to arrest? And you get on this slippery slope of, you can't answer the questions and you're going to have to. And if you don't treat everybody the same as in, hey, if it's time to arrest, then you get put in the cuffs and you get fingerprinted and this. If you get off of that standard, then guess what? You're going to have a lot more problems of, um, of hey, this, this officer now let this person go and didn't let this person go. And it's going to create this much more problems in the police field than what we have for just yeah. arresting somebody okay. – uh, DUI. So again, when they they analyze this force, you have to remember that force has to be reasonable and necessary. Okay, and I just lost a train of thought. As far as oh, okay. As far as the the taser use, the big thing that people have to understand, okay, is and this is my whole problem with this, you know defund the police, you know, they need to be de-escalating and stuff like that. We're all for de-escalation. But sometimes people have to understand that when you use force, and you have to use force because you have to either protect somebody, protect yourself, or infect an arrest, okay? You, force is not always pretty, okay? Mm -mm. No. And people have to understand that. When people are not, not, number one, non-compliant, and two, actively resisting by fighting you, guess what? You have to use force, and it is not a good sight to see. You know, Not that I'm saying that that always rises to the level of what happened here, but what I'm telling you is just from my experience watching use of force incidents, you know, if you have to up your level of force to respond to an active resistor, it's not, it's not always pretty, and it doesn't look good. And when people are viewing it, they might have their perception of, of what they're observing in real time, but they may not have the prior interaction with the police, you know, uh, suspect or whoever it is. And in this situation, you know, this guy was actively resisting, assaulting the police officer and taking uh, a taser. Now, the question becomes, Frank, do we view that taser as a deadly weapon? Right. That was kind of my answer. <laughs> I don't know. I would say, because this is the thing, people are going to use this deadly weapon for a taser for whatever benefits them in whatever argument they're trying to make. Because we've, uh, I'd say, well, I can tell you, 
every single one of the times that I've ever used my taser, it's not even come close to a deadly incident or a deadly weapon. Not even close. It's it's a it's a it's basically a a, a pain compliance type of thing, right? Uh, but you know, Taser International or Axon says. You know, when you taste somebody, there's a chance because of their frail body or that, you know, yeah, being pregnant there, there or on a defibrillator. There, there, there are certain groups that we try to refrain from tasing because, you know, right. younger children, elderly, you know, people with, you know, obviously handicapped conditions like that. We, you know, are basically told not to tase them. But there have been incidents that, you know, they have tried to say that taser was the reason for their death. And, you know, I think that Axon has fought every single one of them to say that, look, you know, this may have been during a taser incident, but this cannot be completely chalked up as taser related. Kind of like you know, COVID. Kind of COVID. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like the person has like all these conditions and pneumonia and stuff like that. Well, and then they contract COVID. Oh, it's a it's, it's a COVID related. That's my issue. With it. It's a COVID related death. COVID was involved with that. Okay. And I'm, you know, we're not even one of those people that's open up the world and that, you know, we're reasonable and some in somewhere in the middle, but that's kind of where in comparison to wise, it, it, it can, it probably contributes, but, you know, putting a percentage on how much of the reason for what occurred is that now, so again, we, I, I talked about reasonable, necessary force. We talked about whether or not the, the taser is a deadly weapon. We discussed that force is not always pretty, and that is absolutely true, especially when you have to use force. But you also have to remember, and the use of force continuum that we have, you know, goes up levels based on what's going on. It really should be more of a pie chart because it's ever changing and interacting. But just because somebody uses one, it's basically or whatever their resistance or their assault or whatever they're doing is one level. doesn't mean that you just have to go up one level on top of that. It, it, it's, it can, you can be, it, it's hard to describe this to the audience, but just because they use one level doesn't mean that if you're one or two levels above, doesn't mean you're necessarily too high in your level of force. They have to analyze it, whether or not, again, it's reasonable and necessary. Okay. Are you supposed to come down? your force has to come down when the situation dictates it and stuff calms down. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, somebody's res- actively resisting and you got them handcuffed and they're calm and stuff. That doesn't mean that, you know, you, you can hit them with your asp or anything like once they're handcuffed, your force has to come all the way down because they came down. What I'm trying to explain, and it's, it's hard for you to understand, but it, you have, again, we talk about that reasonable and necessary, but you have to view that, within the situation at hand. And just because somebody uses one level for their resistance or their fight doesn't mean that the police have to just be up one level on top of them. Okay. Is that, is, is that, you understand what I'm saying, Frank? Yeah. Well, I'm I, I think what you're going for is like, um, if you were to look at, uh, use of force as levels or as right. a ladder or right. as steps and, you know, this person is being resistant, what you would call like, I don't know, using hand like they're trying to punch you and hit you and they're using a level four and you jump up to a level five or maybe they're using i don't know but what you're saying is that you would have to say that the lower levels of force would not be uh they would not be useful or would they they would not be effective but the other thing that that the audience should realize and this is what police officers are trained is that it's and you kind of mentioned this with going down, you know, and we're constantly ev- uh, evaluating every every second of every incident because every punch, if we were to be punching somebody to try to effect an arrest, every punch would have to be its own, um, have its own justification for use of force. It's not that because Patrick was an a-hole and punched me or, you know, whatever, or tried to resist and run away, you know, I don't get to now use a level four use of force on him for the rest of the time. No, every time that I, you know, do a baton strike or tase or um, whatever it is, use an arm bar or some type of pain compliance, uh, or like I have a, to justify a, a, it. Or like a deadly force incident, every shot 
is in right. and of itself. Yeah, I mean the best. And we talked we, about that for the yeah, one. Yeah, and, and that's you know we see that in lawsuits a lot, like de- deadly force lawsuits. They have to, you know, the police have to justify justify every shot that they, you know, for, for a shooting incident, they have to justify every, you know, round what we call round on target, you know, justification for it, that. So obviously, you know, if it's a justified shooting, you shoot him like whatever two, three, four times. And then he's down on the ground and you shoot him like five more. Obviously, those are unjustified shots and it's, a, it's illegal force at that point. So that's kind of what we're, we're trying to explain. You know, overarching theme of this incident, because it's going to be tricky going forward. Was the force reasonable and, and necessary? You know, I want you to understand that force is not always pretty, especially when viewed in this light, especially with an active resistor. You know, is the taser a deadly weapon? Eh. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, like, if you ask us where the taser lies on our use of force continuum, it's not. It's actually a lower use of force, you know, kind right. of mid range. Semicolon, however, comma. <laughs> but we talked about this. So when you use the, the, the fear for an officer is if somebody uses a taser against you, it incapacitates you. And now you're liable to get really harmed if they wanted to do that. Okay. So, like, somebody uses a taser, you're incapacitated for five, even more, depending on their knowledge of the taser. And they go in, and now they go in and actually harm you. So, I don't know. This is, this is you know, this is a tough, this is a tough, tough case. Now, I will say this. I don't know how they necessarily charge murder, because it's pretty clear about that. It's not like Garrett Rolf, you know went on a shift that day and said, oh, I'm going to target Rayshard Brooks and, and, and kill him. I mean, it certainly wasn't premeditated based on everything we've observed and the knowledge we have of the incident. You know, I don't know how they brought that charge. But, you know. It, the media. Yeah. Pr- political pressure. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to, based on the violation of force for crime criminal act, you'd probably look more to something like manslaughter or something like that. But, you know, murder is one of those things where it's more like, premeditated and has all these other factors going in so yeah and reason why you would choose murder as a da is again with all the other pressures going on but it carries a higher sentence yeah yeah and so just be you know i I want the audience to understand murders you you actually have to prove certain factors such as like some sort of premeditation malice all that kind of stuff whereas you know manslaughter would be a death involved in some either reckless act or something like that based on the definition which would probably be more appropriate in this situation just from my observations but uh it's gonna be a tough one going forward you know and we're not going to critique the officer uh because we don't know everything again we don't know all the facts we only know some of them i mean it helps that we have video but we still don't know all the facts you know and it's a tough it's a tough one i mean i don't think he could have Again, we touched on it. He, he could not have just let Brooks go. You know, Brooks was actively resisting and it was a DUI investigation. Like, you want to go arrest him because that's what you're, you're taught to do. You know, Brooks certainly. Uh, again, I just think it's ridiculous to think that you, can't, you just can't let people go right. for committing crimes. Right. Like, yeah, yes. You know, I, I completely agree. Did, did uh, Brooks deserve to die over a resisting arrest and a DUI or DWI charge. Absolutely not. It, they don't equate. Right. But that that's not what happened. It wasn't just so simple as, Hey, you know, either you come into custody, you know, that, that's not what happened. It was much more than that. And this is, you know, to simplify it in my mind, I think to myself, and I know I'm on the same page as a lot of other law enforcement officers is if you did the crime and the officer is saying that you have to answer to that, whether or not you agree with him, you don't have the choice to argue yeah, and why, resist on the have, street. That's why you have the court system. The court system is how you you know fight the crime. You know, if if Brooks would have just been compliant and would have been put your hands behind your back, you're under arrest. None of this would have happened. Well, and that's the other thing, Patrick, is that we do this every single day, right? And it has a great outcome the way it's supposed to happen. 
almost 99% of the time. I would say, I mean, I would say it's probably 99% of the time. And even within, even that you get, you know, your non-compliant individuals, but not to the level of active resisting like Brooks was. You're like, we're actually assaulting the officers. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. you're talking where we get a lot of, hey, I'm going to resist. I'm going yeah. to run. Yeah. I'm going to, but not so much as I'm going to try to kick this officer's ass. And steal his taser. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. This is actually even on a whole other level. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we kind of, unfortunately, we downplay the culpability of Brooks. And like, just like Frank said, did he deserve to die for the incident? No. But let's not say that, oh, my God, the police were, were all wrong. And they, no, Brooks clearly, based, you could see actually the breathalyzer in the body cam was under the influence actively resisted was fighting with officers assaulted officers and you know we can't just let him go we have to go arrest him from that and from that point forward it's you know was everything was the killing justified and that's for i guess the courts to figure out and that's in this situation the courts or, or, or a trial of 12 trial 12 12 12 citizens and and we're not gonna we're not gonna come on here and say that you know, uh, Officer Wolf was wrong. He was right. It's 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 a muddy situation, and the only thing that we can say is we know that Mr. Brooks was wrong in the DUI aspect. He was wrong to resist. He was wrong to assault the officers, and he should have culpability for all that. It's you know, the the, the killing though is the aspect of was that force reasonable and necessary, and that's something for. The, a trial of 12 and the judge to figure out. And we're not going to say whether or not he was right or wrong. And I'm not going to tell, and Frank and I are not going to put our, say that we would have done necessarily something different because we don't know. We're not in that situation. You know what I mean? It's one of those quick tunnel vision, adrenaline situations. You know, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday, actually. um, And I think it's, it's a shame that we can't, get more of our critics to be put in some of these situations because I would, I mean, even if you go as simple as just like a shoot, don't shoot because we can do those in like simulators. It's much more difficult to put somebody in a knockdown drag out fight where they're actually getting injured and you actually feel as though you're, you're fighting for your life and not just some simulation, but even just a simple shoot, don't shoot where you have video. I think that people would be surprised on what they would end up shooting people (laughs) Yeah, for over. And I know we, we kind of went on a soapbox about this incident because I mean, it, it's, you know, been widely publicized. It's all in the, the news. You know, this caused the Atlanta protests. I mean, it caused what we call the blue flu. Um, but, you know, we, t- we have to talk about it because it's our jobs. Or it's our law enforcement. You know, we, we try to learn from situations in like this and we don't necessarily judge without the facts and the facts are what we stated. It was a DUI. The cops were there for a legal reason to investigate the DUI. They tried to take Brooks into custody, fought with them, actively resisted, assaulted the officers, took their taser and ran. And then officer Garrett Wolf made the decision that I guess he felt his life was in danger and pulled the trigger. And, 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 And we're not here to try to, to say that Officer Garrett Wolf was 100% right in everything he did, and we're not here to say that Rayshard Brooks was 100% wrong in everything he did. Okay, now do we do we think he was wrong before the actual shooting incident? Absolutely, but from that point forward, you know, we're not going to say that Garrett Wolf's decision was right or wrong. It's just important to understand that it's, these force incidents are not just in a vacuum. Like it's not just oh. A should be B, B should be C. It, it, that's not that's not what happens. You know what I mean? That's what that's oh, my biggest. Pro- yeah, that's my biggest problem with, with with the media and people telling me, "Oh, you should have done this." Okay, all right. Well, were you there? You know, you you weren't there. I wasn't there. It's it's a it's a tough situation. You know what I mean? And again, I, I it's I think it's going to be tough for a jury to find him guilty of murder. I mean, that's I I. I highly doubt that's i don't even know if that start charge is actually going to end up sticking forward might not get it past uh, yeah. like a preliminary stage yeah so but 
we'll see what you know. We'll see what happens. I fear. I I, I sympathize with Brooks' family. I sympathize with Officer Garrett Rolf's family. I mean, I don't think Officer Garrett Rolf wanted to take somebody's life that shift, and you know. So we'll see. It's what a happens. shame. Like, yeah, it is. We'll see what happens, and you know, circling back to the to the episode uh, and, and why. I talked about that. I mean, we talked about, so we really went into the Rayshard Brooks and we could have a discussion on this for like hours. Okay. And get out different people's opinions in there and, you know, have debates. We talked about that. We talked about, you know, the George Floyd incident, you know, this has just given rise to all the protests, especially in these urban metropolitan areas. I mean, you had the Seattle chop zone where they basically like created their own mini little country, I guess, if you want to call it or government with like armed guards and finally, you know, finally they made the decision to go in there and arrest him, especially after that, that guy was, it was that guy was killed and like nobody did anything about well, the, it. Well, the guy was killed. And then there was a video that came up uh, of a, a, a of a like, like a live feed or some yeah. video that uh, the citizens that were around the dead body were picking up the shell casings. Right. And and disposing of the evidence, it's yeah. a shame. And you know, I, I don't know, what, you know, I don't know what all to believe on social media and whatnot too, but I know that there's this been there's been this black gentleman who uh, is upset with the mayor, um, and I guess the governor of of the because his son was killed, one of the people killed yes, in the yes, chop zone, yes. and he and nothing has been done, and they have no evidence, and they have no nothing, and he blames the chop for for the well not only the, you know his son being killed but that th- there's nothing to go on there's no, there's no well, moving they, forward they took over the, like the one precinct in seattle they just well, took yeah, and they were ordered to and they were the police were ordered to let them have it yeah so when you have this is my fear when you have politicians that come in there and basically say okay we need to take these de-escalation techniques they need to be hands-off look we we are all for not defunding the police, but bringing money into other aspects of mental health awareness or de-escalation training or, you know, training on use of force and, and what to do in search. We're all, we all support that. You know, I think in fact, as a as supervisor, some of our younger officers, we wish they had more verbal judo training in the day of, but well, you know, we talk about, and I talk about this at the academy, is that you know, as as officers, we're we're you know on patrol. You're really the Swiss Army knife, yeah, because you deal with so much stuff, and it's not what people think police officers are. You know, it's it's much more than that. It's you know dealing with that um, that eighty year old neighbor who has no family to take care of her anymore. Referral it's dealing calls. with the mental, yeah, this dealing with the mental health of of you know the day in and day out and you would be surprised of how many calls are dealing with mental health these days and you know if you're talking about having uh other people other agencies get involved and help out with some of this stuff absolutely we're all for it what we're saying is that listen anybody who believes that you can get rid of police and still have social workers go to domestics right handle handle some of the people you know the the gun violence the the drugs that are deteriorating neighborhoods like that that's not happening you know and you know let's move on from that argument and if you want to have real true change and stuff then let's let's have a, a an educated discussion that's actually going to go somewhere instead of some off right. the wall that's not going to happen like you know i i just brought up a or i was looking at this this morning that Seattle's council is calling for a 50% reduction in police funding. And you know, what's, what's sad is that most community members, even in these cities want the police, they need the police there, you know, and, and what's going to happen. Yeah. I know you, everybody's been looking at And if you follow, especially if you follow us on our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, you know, we we're pretty, we try to stay active with, especially on the Twitter account about like, all the violence and something, you know, the, pers- the, the current event violent acts that have been going on in these metropolitan areas where there's been calls to defund the police. It's, 
it's pretty obvious, you know, it's a cause and effect thing when you don't have the police going to these areas or being visible or being, quote unquote, afraid or apprehensive to get involved in use of force, potential use of force incidents that people suffer and these communities suffer. And it's going to, unfortunately, you know, the main Black Lives Matter movement, my main critique is that, look, some of these communities, especially with higher proportions of minorities, blacks, Hispanics, whatever. If you say that you're against the police and the police, you don't want the police in your area. Well, you know, this, this could exponentially harm you. Well, that you're trying to, uh, to help out. Yeah. We're trying, I mean, look at Chicago. Oh my God. Chicago and New York are just like skyrocketing for gun violence. And these calls to defund the police are just, you know what, what was the one about the the one year old that was killed in the the stroller? Yes. Oh my yes. god, it's just heartbreaking. And that was in was that in New York? Uh, yeah, I think so. It was in New York. Maybe. And then the other Chicago had a couple, you know, kids killed and some of their violent weekends. And it's just it's heartbreaking that these communities are suffering, and that's because there are calls to the, you know, there. I, I would say it's the vocal minority saying that the that the police are bad. And you know, unjustly target you know, minorities, and the sad thing is, minorities in these communities are going to suffer because the police just aren't going to go there. There aren't going to be enough police officers, and the police officers are unfortunately going to be afraid to get involved in incidents. You know, because again, force is not pretty. You know, they're going to be apprehensive to engage in a person stop where they believe a sub- subject may be armed because while they want to get that subject and arrest them for being possession, potentially possession of drugs or, you know, a firearm, they don't want something bad to happen and be put on video. And then they get charges well, brought against them. And, well, you they, they know those officers know that the administration is a good chance that they're not going to back them. Right. The mayor, the mayor. You know, the city council, right. the whatever, whatever people are in charge of, of your jurisdiction, you know, um, and the media absolutely is not going to say, <laughs> we've seen it already that they're not going to stick up for the nope. police for do, trying to do their job. So, so again, you know, you talk about the people that, um, you talk about the people who want to be police officers and that have good heads on their shoulders and who are educated. Well, guess what? they're going to find other jobs because they can get other jobs. You know, they have this public service calling, but anybody who has a good head on their shoulders is going to see the writing on the wall and say, you know, maybe they should choose something else. Or go into it's like, a shame. It is a shame, but they, or go into like a handyman job, like a plumber. Hey, I've been there. Plumbers make good money, man. I told you the uh, the the joke that the my, the master plumber that w- was teaching me he said he said he was actually in law school to yeah. become a, a lawyer right and uh, he was having a party one weekend and the toilet got clogged so they had to call a plumber and when the cl- the plumber came downstairs and handed him the bill he said he quit law school the next day and became a plumber wow that's awesome not that I I, I I'm sure they have some bad smells every now and again but. So do cops. So it's kind of like the same thing. Uh, I can't even describe to you. I mean, uh, it's just a whole different type. Like when, you like, know, when like when like sewage stuff backs. Oh God! No not time. even that. It's it's walking into a house that somebody said that their toilet's clogged and they need help unclogging it, and you're like, oh, okay, like you know, this, this this is an easy one, right? And then you get up to their bathroom, and their toilet is filled to the brim. Oh God! With crap, and you're thinking. This thing was clogged for like days or weeks. Like, what are you talking about? And it's yeah. gross. And it's like, you know, it was thankfully I worked for a guy uh, who who said if you walk into something like that, you just walk right back out. We're not dealing with that. Or, yeah, unfortunately in policing we get bad smells too, like cat piss. Ugh, cat piss is the worst. You go inside a house with like people have fifteen cats. I don't know if I talked about that, but. That was awful. With no litter box, no, oh, no changing. Yeah. yeah. When you got to go back and you, but you, I, there was an incident where I had to do that. And my supervisor sent me home because <laughs> I had to go wash my uni- uniform and I just smelled it. it was awful. Or, you, you know, and the, 
we had one not too long ago. It was a dead body that had been there for like two or three days in, in the summertime. Uh, not what, the guys in the past would just light a cigar. Uh, man, nope, no freaking way. It smells do it to me. Patrick here is not a smell guy. I can see stuff. Images don't, you know, we all have images that we don't like to see, but smells are my Achilles heel. I cannot deal with smells. Some guys can, you know, and it's right. It's funny. Some guys can deal with smells all they want. Other guys can't see certain things and smells are mine. No way. But I mean, we were kind of getting a little off topic and we're at about almost about an hour. So again, we're going to, we're going to have a little more discussion on the, the funding aspect of police work. And I know we kind of talked a lot about Rayshard Brooks, but we wanted to give you our analysis or brief analysis of the situation, kind of where we're going forward as in these calls to, you know, defund the police, this police rhetoric that we're, you know, unfairly targeting minorities and these metropolitan areas that are, that are suffering from high amounts of violence, especially gun violence as a result of, where we're at as a society right now with law enforcement and the community. And we want, we need the community and law enforcement to work together. Otherwise, you know, the end, end all goal of getting these bad people out of the streets, having, you know, good neighborhoods that people can feel safe walking around. And that's our goal, you know, but we can't do that without the community's help. And we can't do that without the, the, the support. And we understand that, it's the vocal it's the vocal minority that's really calling for the police and and calling us out but we need you know i'll i'll make the 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 request we need the the non-vocal majority to come out and really su- support us in this time frame because like frank said i i i can't see any situation going forward where recruitment is going to be a good thing or recruitment's going to increase because all i can tell you right now it's going to decrease i fear that these cities and whatever are going to do and because of covid and the budgetary concerns already they're going to either possibly lower the standards for police qualifications or applications and then we're going to get you know police officers shouldn't be police officers just because they want to fill numbers and you know that's unfortunately a ramification of what's going on and we don't want to see that because we want good cops. We're we're two great cops. We're like one of the best, but we we want other great cops, and that's that's kind of what we want moving forward. And that's my soapbox for episode one of season two. It's about damn time. Yeah, but again, what do you have anything else, Frank? No, I, I I like what you said. I think that this is going to be a, a common thread throughout season two because I don't think we're anywhere out of the woods with uh, police reform and uh, what that looks like and what that means for the rest of 2020. Uh, you know, I think right now we have a dozen states that are proposing bills on what police reform looks like while the rest of the 30-some states are out of what do they call it? Not in session. So I think we're going to see a lot more come down the pike here in the next couple months. And I think that that's going to be a, com- a common thread here on the sideshow. Um, and then, you know, we're going to try to get some guests on here that we can have some interesting conversations and viewpoints so that uh, we kind of, we all grow together as a community and, and grow together and with our common Amen. goal in mind of, of just, can we all just get along? That's, but that's our cred, man. Yeah. Communicate, right. relate, educate, and delineate. Right? That's right. I mean it kinda of so, sounds it kinda of sounds cheesy, but in reality that's what we're trying to do with with, with, with this podcast. Oh, it's Siri talking to me. Um <laughs> uh <laughs> you know, we're trying just trying to get people to understand, you know, what the the job is, what we'd like to see going forward, how we're gonna improve our job and the relationship with the community because we do again it we need the community you know we're not against the community we're not even against police reform if, if it's you know done in certain facets that'll benefit officers going forward it's just you know t- i i feel like we're t- at two opposite ends of the spectrum whereas 
some officers are so against anything new, but you, you kind of need new things because we're in an age where policing 20 years ago didn't work, wouldn't work in today's era versus the, oh, we just need to defund the police and lower the amount of officers and put social workers out there. Well, that's not necessarily going to help either. It's let's, let's come together, come to agreement on some good ideas and we can go forward. And, you know, this podcast helps educate the public about what police do and why we do it. They see, they missed out on that for this episode. Yeah, I know they do. But again, you need to follow us on Twitter, on the gram, the Instagram. Okay. Go to the LEO sideshow.com. Right, Frank. That's it. That's it. Go to our website. It's up and running. We got some good content on there. Uh, we got our blog, you know, because we're like bloggers now. I think that we, if you publish a blog or two, you're bloggers. So yeah. we're there, man. So yeah, check out the LEO sideshow.com. Uh, you have link, we have links on there for our, um, what did we do a couple of weeks ago with, with uh, the roll call room? Oh, Podfest. Yeah. Podfest. We have links on there for Podfest. Sorry. And uh, so go to their website, check that out. Uh, it's a good episode can... on people's perspectives on what we can do for mental health and law enforcement because that is a, a big topic, you know, especially right now. Yeah, suicide awareness, you know, mental overall mental health. Sometimes, like last night, I just need to come home and get some sleep for my mental health. Hey, man. Get that, get that uh, half gallon yeah. of ice cream and sit down and just go Some, to town. Sometimes man. you need ice creams, you know, somebody to talk to, exercise, whatever you need. Trust me. A bath. A bath. Baths are good, man. Nothing like re- <laughs> nothing like reading a book in the bathtub. I don't know about that. That's that's Come, not, what what? Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, <laughs> or eating ice cream in the bathtub. I actually have never done that. <laughs> I can't say I have. <laughs> but that so, would be all right. Well, that that's... would be, that would be good. How about if if I eat ice cream in the bathtub and I send you a photo, could you add that to our ice cream club? No, I'm gonna get you charged for sending <laughs> illicit photos. <laughs> Harassment by communication. But we're also in we're we're we have a little book club in, in our in our police department going on. You know, we like to read when we have time permitting. And uh if you want to get in on that or got some recommendations for books, you know, reach out to us. And you can, e- again, email us at patrick at the com or frank at the com. We'll check your emails. We, we'd like to get some uh, response back for our mailbags. We want to do a mailbag episode answering questions. And, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, give us a five-star review. Not like that dude that gave us a one, that one guy. Liam, what is it, Liam Neeson? We'll find you. Yeah. We have a special set of skills. (laughs) But yeah, reach out to us. Give us a five-star review. We got a lot of good content coming forward for season two. We're on it. Good interviews coming up. Good interview for episode two for next next week. Next week. week. Yep. Good interview. We'll we'll give we'll give a little preview on our social media accounts for what's for that episode. So all right. For the Elio Sideshow, I'm Patrick. I'm signing off. Frank, anything else? That's it. See you guys. Have a good day.